Welcome to another exciting edition of Chiropractic United for April 2nd, 2013. This podcast is brought to you by Chiropractic Biophysics Seminars to see how you can learn structural-based scientific subluxation-based techniques like CBP. Go to idealspine.com. Also brought to you by Dr. Fred DiDomenico of Elite Coaching. If you need help with your practice or you're already successful and want to be more successful, call Dr. Fred and dial in at EliteCoachingLLC.com. And also by PostureCo, developers of the award-winning Posture Screen mobile app available on the Android and iTunes app stores, as well as the X-Ray EMR system known as PostRay. For more information, browse to PostureAnalysis.com. All right, Dr. Fred, take it away. Okay, welcome April 2nd, Chiropractic United, out heading out into the podcast world again. We're very excited that the trio, ding, 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 is back again in full force. We are back in black in Chiropractic United podcast. Two weeks in a row, all three of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome, Dr. Joe Ferrantelli of Posture Co., Posture Screen, Posture Everything for Posture on Technology. Dr. Deed Harrison, welcome back from CBP. Yeah, two weeks and- in a row with Dr. Deed. This could be habit forming. This could be. <laughs> and me, Dr. Fred DiDomenico, Elite Coaching. So we are back and we have a very exciting, controversial uh, topic tonight that we're going to share with you that will definitely stimulate some thought, uh, pry your brain open a little bit, and uh, give you a little bit of a feel of what's going on in chiropractic and the impression of corrective care around the world. So welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, and it's good to be back. And, you know, everybody that's listening out there, in this podcast, number one, it's meant to be, you know, a good time for, you know, Fred and Joe and I. It's also meant to be educational. But, you know, there's there's some lines that, you know, I think that you just shouldn't cross. Unless, of course, you're just trying to get me back on these podcasts, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. There's some inspiration. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, we try to, we try to, you know, have some good uh, topics and some good uh, discussions back and forth. And we want to be motivational and educational and, and inspirational all at the same time. But, you know, last week, if anybody listened to the end of the podcast, I got this email from my staff at my my Ideal Spine Health Center. So my front desk at my patient health center, and we said that this would be the topic of this particular week. And, you know, before I get going, I just want to say I can really go off on this topic. So, uh, Dr. Fred and Dr. Joe, you're going to have to feel free to chime in at, you know, whatever time you want to and just get me to stop. You know what I mean? Well, no, I mean, you can talk as long as you want. You've missed so many podcasts. I think it's a blessing that people hear your voice again. So we'll chime in. Yeah, but you know two Italians always have something to say, so that shouldn't (laughs) be an issue. Exactly. And and really, you know, the purpose of this is these podcasts are really – they're, they're specifically designed for corrective care-based chiropractors, but also just for anybody that has a passion for chiropractic in general and wants to learn. With, with that being said, there is kind of a line. I mean, if you're, gonna, if, if you're going to contact me personally as a chiropractor, don't, don't contact me through my patient treatment facility. Contact me through idealspine.com or my email, which is drd.idealspine.com. Don't send a, an email that's relatively derogatory to my front desk for them to forward to me. I mean, and that's what happened here. This, this guy contacted me at, at info at idealspinehealthcenter.com. That's my patient website. Which, by the way, it's kind of easy to find that Dr. Deed is tied to idealspine.com or chiropracticbiophysics.com. Right. right. You know, and, and then th- there is a difference between public education that is for the patient, for the lay person, and doctor education. There's a big difference. And, Fred, you know that. Oh, yeah. You, you know, and you're always trying to tell me, hey, Deed, you know, you can't quite speak the science to the patients. And, and I'm like, well, Fred, I, I have to. It's just ingrained in me. And, you know, so, you know, you're always trying to get the clinician to kind of step away from the let me tell you everything I know type of attitude. And that, that kind of needs to, you know, take place in the clinical setting too. 
So there's a difference between articles you would write on your public website for your practice versus what you would write in the scientific literature. And I think every chiropractor should know that. However, this chiropractor from Australia apparently didn't get that message. Well, but so, everything, let me, let me say that everything that's on your website is scientifically based. It's just expressed in terms that patients can understand. Yeah, yeah, that's true too, Joe. I mean, I'm not going to put something out there that, that I don't believe that there's data to support. But I'm at the same time, I'm not going to list 50 references under the articles that, you know, my marketing team and I write for the, for the patients on the website. So if, if you go to my website, the patient website is idealfinehealth.com. And there's some articles on there written for the, the layperson to try to get them to understand corrective care chiropractic. And there's, there's two articles on there about the cervical curve. Well, apparently this doctor didn't like him. So since he emailed me, I, I assume it's public because he didn't say otherwise. And so here's who it is. It's uh, Dr. Douglas Scown, S-C-O-W-N, and he emails me from doug.scown at gmail.com. And he puts his phone number in the email. So, like, apparently he wants me or maybe the rest of iTunes out there to contact him. So his phone number is over in uh, Brisbane, Australia, uh, 07-322-92383. And so just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. He's, he's listing all his contact. He's not hiding. And he says here, hello, I'm a chiropractor in Australia. I visited your site because I like to have an informed opinion. I read that you are a supporter of science. This, this is my favorite part. So he's saying apparently you're supposed to be scientific, right? That's so, what it sounds like. Right. I read that you are a supporter of science. However, your information regarding the cervical lordosis on your website appears to be stretching a long bow. In other words, it's not true, you know? Well, hey, wait, wait, let's let's dissect that a little bit. So if you stretch a long bow, doesn't that come into a curve? It does come into a curve, Joe. You're right. So maybe surreptitiously, unconsciously, his innate is telling him that the lordosis has a bearing in life. I'm, I mean, I know right. we're getting deep here. Right, right. And, and really, there's a lot of energy behind that when you stretch it. So you know something's going to come out fast and furious when you stretch that long bow. <laughs> you know? So, and he, he goes on to say this, I was not aware that, that we as a profession have any robust evidence that supported such a view that if you lose your curve, you will suffer from interference, which damages your health. And, and then he writes, that's in the realm of unsubstantiated. Yeah, now, mind you, uh, apparently uh, uh, this guy, Douglas, has never done a med line and come across, I mean, you know, if I were just to go on PubMed and, I don't know, just happen to just key in cervical lordosis and Harrison, you might come up with some papers on the cervical lordosis. Right, right. And, and really, before we get into that research, I just kind of want, want to read to you. I've read to you the, the key part, and then I want to read to you the, the summary part here, his last sentence. He, he writes this, studies into public perception suggest that only 10% of the population responds to overclaiming. So he's claiming that we're overclaiming on my website, and yet he kind of condemns me for, for not being scientific and not providing references, but yet he, he makes a pretty strong statement here that only 10% of the population responds to overclaiming. So the researcher in me says, well, where's the evidence for that statement? I've, I've never read any population-based surveys that show that people don't respond to the truth and then a slight twist on the truth. I've never read that one out of ten people respond to that. Have you guys? No, never. never right. Never. So, you know, so I, I would ask Doug, I mean, number one, if you're going to write somebody something like this, you probably want to have more information on the topic that you're writing about than the person does. And number two, you would probably want to be pretty much infallible yourself, right? And so I want to read to you something from his website because I looked, I looked him up. 
So I went to uh, his personal website, brisbanecitychiropractor.com.au. So, and, yeah, everybody go to his website right now. <laughs> right. And here's what he writes. And, you know, I just want to read you this because I read this and I go, well, this is the same thing that I've essentially kind of done on my website for patients. He writes this. Brisbane City Chiropractic is dedicated to the diagnosis and treatment of functional conditions of the spine and nervous system. Freedom of movement of the human spine and frame is the foundation of a healthy and productive life. Okay? Therefore, a key focus of our practice is to correct or enhance and maintain physical movement and neurological control of human stability, posture, and balance. Okay, and then it goes on and on. But if you read that, that's essentially the same stuff that I wrote on our patient website. That so sounds I, like CBP. I, I, I right, right. So I, I would look at this and I go, well, hey, uh, Dr. Doug, do you have any randomized trials that, that support the statement that freedom of movement of the human spine and frame is the foundation of a healthy and productive, productive life? I mean, I've personally never read a randomized trial that concluded that. Have you guys? Nope. No, I, I haven't either. So my, my point to start off this conversation, I will get into the science for people out there listening, is, you know, we all take evidence and information and we turn that into patient-orientated presentations and, and uh, you know, wording on our websites. And I think we all understand that that's what happens. And so if you're going to condemn another chiropractic colleague for what they put on their website, you better make damn sure that you're not living in a glass house yourself. And if you do have a glass house, you better make sure it's bulletproof glass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I just think it's interesting that this guy, chiropractor would write me such a letter. And then he turns around and on the same, you know, on his own website, he has the same content. But, but let's dissect this statement that there's no evidence that the cervical curve is related to human health and disease potential or, or neurological disorders, right? So let's just start with the simple concept of pain. You know, Dr. Fred and Dr. Joe, I think pain is a health disorder. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that if somebody has pain and it can be shown to be correlated to an abnormal cervical curve and therefore loss of the cervical curve or alterations in the cervical curve is a, a, is a problem causing their potential health disorder, in this case pain. So let's just look at a, a study that was done in 2011 out of the journal Neurosurgery. And this is by Villa Vicencio. And this is a prospective randomized double-blind clinical control trial evaluating the correlation of clinical patient outcomes after surgery and cervical sagittal plane alignment. Now, this particular study was published in the journal Neurosurgery, 2011, volume 68, page 1309 through 1316. This is the first ever study that's a prospective randomized double-blind trial. Now, what they identified is using two different surgical constructs for trying to maintain segmental sagittal, sagittal alignment after cervical spine surgery. They identified that patients who had a maintenance or improvement of their sagittal cervical curve, regardless of the type of surgical construct used, they, these patients who maintained their cervical curve or improved it achieved a higher degree of improvement in both physical and disability scores on the neck disability index and the short form 36 questionnaire. So two questionnaires were identified here that showed correlation to alignment. The, the SF36 physical component and the neck disability index score. It sounds like to me from this study that cervical lordosis is linked to physical function and disability. What do you guys think? Sounds like it to me, but you know, they had surgery. So, you know, it's like when people, they're going to, they look at this and say, well, how, Dr. Deed, well, that can't possibly apply because they, they, there were surgeons looking at this. How does that apply to a chiropractic uh, patient? 
Right, right. Alignment outcomes after surgery are not going to be the same as alignment outcomes after conservative care, right? Absolutely. That's what the the people misconstrue when they say, oh, well, it wasn't a chiropractic paper that found that. You know, they always, and uh, I'm I'm sure you'll have something to say about that. Right. So, you know, with this guy's statement here, what he's claiming is basically there's no evidence that shows that, you know, when you lose your curve, you suffer from interference that damages your health. I, I would disagree with just just this one study that's a double-blind, randomized, prospective trial. We're talking about function and disability. That's interference to your health, is it not? Absolutely it is. Sir. Right. It, so that's just number one for Dr. Doug. Now, number two, let's just take this a step further, okay? Let, let's look at a study that came out in 2009 out of the Journal, journal of Neurosurgery Spine. Now, it's the spine version of neurosurgery. So it's called the Journal of Neurosurgery Spine, 2009, by Yushida et al., U-C-H-I-D-A. Now, here's what they did in this particular paper. They took 43 patients, 30 men and 13 women, with a mean age approaching 60 years of age. When the cervical kyphosis in these people exceeded 10 degrees on a preoperative sagittal lateral x-ray in the neutral position, they identified that this alignment, aka cervical kyphosis, this deformity created mechanical stress acting on the cervical spinal cord that correlated to neurological dysfunction. Okay? They then took these people and they achieved adequate correction of their cervical curve and they showed that these neurological conditions would improve, okay? So this is a study on basically biomechanical stress and strain acting on the cervical spinal cord in subjects with cervical spondylotic myelopathy. So if you have a cervical kyphosis 10 degrees or more, it is creating gross mechanical deformation, stress and strain on your cord and nerve root, and it is responsible for the neurological deficits that you have. In these people, when they improved the cervical curve, these neurological conditions went away. Okay? Now, that looks like direct evidence of nerve interference to me. What do you guys think? Absolutely. That's pretty direct. Yeah, I, w- I would say that that was pretty direct, but, you know, that's probably not enough for Dr. Doug. I mean, I doubt that, that somebody of his scientific caliber would be swayed by, by two papers. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Gene, do you you have more? (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I might have a few more studies. I just might have a few more studies. You know, Fred, he hasn't hasn't been on a podcast now for for months except for last week. And boy, there's no putting this flame out, man. He's on fire. Right. You you know, so let's just look look at it this way. And let's go, okay, well, you know, have you guys ever had a headache? I mean, seriously, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. When you have a headache, a headache, do you have clarity of thought or do you have a difficult time processing data and thoughts and communication? Are you saying Doug has headaches? Well, what? he he might he might what? have nerve interference, but you know, creating headaches. <laughs> but what I what I'm getting at is I just want to talk about the condition of a headache, for example. You know, so when you have a headache, we would we would agree that in people that have headaches, your your functional capacity cognitively is diminished. Yes. 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 And I think everybody out there would agree to that. So let's just take headaches and let's look at the studies on cervical lordosis and headache populations. And if we identify a correlation between abnormal cervical curve and headaches. We can conclude that loss of the cervical lordosis causes impairment of cognitive abilities due to headache. I don't think that's exaggerating. Correct. Okay, so let's go through this. In the journal Headache, 1993, by Nagasawa et al., the Japanese author, N-A-G-A-S-A-W-A, this particular paper 
is a, a population with headaches compared to a population without headaches, and they're matched for age and sex. So basically, we're a case control uh, population here. So we got 372 patients with tension-type headaches compared to age and sex matched uh, controls that are 225 subjects. Looking at x-rays, what they identified here is statistically significant differences between the two groups of subjects, such that the headache subjects consistently and statistically had a straightened cervical curve with a low set and rounded shoulders. They also identified as the patient aged, the patient's cervical curve was straight more frequently. So in age, there was a tendency for straightening of the cervical lordosis in the headache population. Now that's really important because what we identify in non-headache populations and non-neck pain populations, we find that there's a mild increase in the cervical lordosis as we age. So we're seeing the opposite trend in headache sufferers. And there's a striking correlation between loss of the cervical curve and the presence of headache. And I would suggest to Doug that headaches are a type of nerve interference. They impair cognitive function and performance. You can look at multiple studies on people that suffer headaches and they do not perform as well, hands down, in cognitive tasks and communication abilities. Is that a health problem? You know, I, I don't think it would be, Fred. Headaches aren't really a health concern at all, you know? Because really what you do is you just pop some aspirin and go to sleep, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> And you have you have definitely fruitful lives. I mean, every chiropractor knows people with chronic headaches. You know, those are those are patients that are full of life. Right. They're not doing well. They're they're taking so much medication. It's damaged their brain to where they can't really function as well. And it's damaging the internal organs. And it's causing over time internal bleeding. It's causing kidney and liver damage. So because of the headache that is caused by loss of the cervical curve, these people turn to medication that damages them, you know, permanently in some cases leads to death, 25,000 deaths a year in the United States due to over-the-counter NSAIDs, likely a large percent of those deaths are due to, you know, people taking these for headaches. What do you think? Absolutely. Are those patients say, Doc, I don't, I'm healthy. I just have headaches all the time. Yep. Right. Yeah, don't worry. We, yeah, we no worries. It's not a health problem. Right. We had a woman come in today. I just met her today when I was walking in my office. She told me, she goes, I'm so happy to be here. I think there's hope for the first time. She just saw her lateral cervical x-ray. She's got a major cervical kyphosis. She's had a headache since 1970. Oh, my God. It, it, it's the same headache. It hasn't gone away. Uh, she must have an insufficiency of medication. Right. Yeah. It's not a health problem. No. Right. It's not. It can't be. Okay, so that that's one on headache. But, you know, there's more on headache. There's another one that came out. Here's one because, you, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Dr. Doug, the scientific caliber that he's used to, a case control study that only had 372 patients compared to two, 225 subjects, that probably wouldn't be enough for him, right? So... So there, there's one, there's one here out of the Journal of Trauma in, in 1975. So this goes way back. This is by Brock, B-R-A-A-F. Journal of Trauma, 1975, volume 15, page 441 through 446. It's a, it's a survey of over 6,000 cases of chronic headache sufferers that had, you know, trauma as a precipitating factor. Here's what they identified. Complete or segmental loss or reversal of the normal cervical curve is the most consistent characteristic feature and very often the only abnormality we found. Wow. That's big. That's, that's huge. Uh, yeah, 6,000 cases. Wow. So what, you know, this leads to the point where, you know, not, I know we're not digressing too much in the x-ray, though. If you're a chiropractor out there and you don't take x-rays of your patients, you're missing a, a reason why your patients are suffering. And you have to have the mechanisms to be able to correct these things, you know. 
Right. Absolutely true. And, and, you know, and hopefully everybody appreciates the style here. I mean, really, it's meant to be educational, but of course I'm going to be a little bit facetious and I'm going to be a little rough on this guy for the way he chose to approach me and basically challenge the ethics of my articles on the website. And, you know, so I just want to read again what he has on his website. And again, his website is brisbanecitychiropractor.com.au. You know, here's what he writes. Freedom of movement of the human spine and frame is the foundation of a healthy and productive life. So obviously he, he's into function and movement patterns in the, in the, the spine. Would you guys agree with that? Sounds yeah, like. I, would, I would agree that's his point, um, but I've seen some pretty bad people that moved pretty bad. Uh, they were still moving, and they're not healthy. Right. And you're right. And here's my point. My point is he's really into motion and health and nervous system function, but he wants to condemn alignment of the cervical curve. So let's, let's just take that here and let's turn from, you know, surgical outcomes and spinal cord compression with typhotic neck, screen post surgery and, and neck pain and headaches. And let's turn to function in the cervical lordosis. Let's look at kinematics of movement in the cervical spine compared to the cervical lordosis. Here's a good one. Takashima et al. T-A-K-E-S-H-I-M-A. Spine 2002, volume 27, uh, page 348 through 355. And this is online, so it's an e, it's an e-article. So spine, sometimes they don't put all, all the articles uh, in the print journal, they put some of them online. So th this one is five groups of, of age, weight, height, sex, and pain match subjects. This is very important. All these subjects are matched for age, weight, height, sex, and pain. And what they did is they broke them down into five categories of cervical lordosis. Group number one had a lordosis. Group number two had a straight neck. Group number three had a kyphotic neck. Uh, group number four had an S-curve with a reversal down low. And group five had an S-curve with uh, upper cervical reversal. And what they did is they looked at the alignment in the neutral compared to, to the end range of motion on flexion and extension films. So you would call that a type of functional assessment. Here's, here's what they identified. Alterations in the static alignment of the cervical curve in the neutral position caused, caused, alterations in the dynamic kinematics of the cervical spine during flexion and extension. In other words, you cannot have normal movement in the sagittal plane unless you start with a normal cervical curve. Okay? And ignorance might be an excuse for some people, but I don't accept that. If you're going to write somebody an email like I got written here by Dr. Doug, you better damn well make sure that you know as much about this topic as I do. And I can tell you that in my engineering courses, when I took statics and I took dynamics, we learned that there's a relationship between structural alignment and statics and then dynamic function and movement. And the two are related. You cannot change the cervical lordosis and not expect to have an alteration in kinematic response. It, it's just asinine to think that you could. So in reality, here's my, my, my point to uh, Dr. Doug and chiropractors like that. If you're going to be into function and movement, I think that's great. I think movement and function are very important to health. If you're going to be into that, you will have to also at the same time accept the reality that those functional problems can be created by alterations in structural alignment, such as altered cervical curvature. Yep. And, and, and the, the point chiropractically that I want to bring to those that maybe don't know about CBP or have a misconstrued um, an impression of what chiropractic biophysics is about, we are all for motion, but we're for fixing the structure, the static alignment before you try and work on functional movement. And we even have seminars later this year on, on mirror image and motion and techniques that we use after the person's static alignment is as near normal as possible. So we are big into functional movement after the static alignment starting place is fixed. Incorrect, 
uh, Dr. Deed? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, they go hand in hand. Our perspective is you cannot just be a functional-based chiropractor, and you cannot be just a structural-based chiropractor. It doesn't work that way. You know, the structure and function go hand in hand. So the, the best solution is to work on both of them. And you can't sit there and say, oh, there's, there's no evidence that loss of the cervical curve is a health problem and causes nerve interference. Of course it does. It alters movement. It alters mechanical stress on the nervous system. It alters the way people think and feel. Of course it is a, a, a situation that we have to worry about. But, you know, you know, back to this topic of movement, you know, being the astute chiropractor that Dr. Doug probably is, he would probably be thinking to himself that, you know, that study was in 2002 and it was only one paper, right? Right. And, and it was on, it was on x-ray. It really wasn't done on sophisticated imaging like MRI, right? That's what I was thinking. Right. So, I mean, I, I imagine what's going through his mind and I'm, you know, trying to think like him. So I put all these papers together for him. And so this paper came out that, uh, you know, kind of discusses this issue that Dr. Doug brought up. He said it, this is in uh, Spine in 2008, volume 33, number 23, page 870 through 876. And the title of this paper in 2008, Spine, is Kinematic Analysis of the Relationship Between Sagittal Alignment and Disc Degeneration in the Cervical Spine. And essentially, they did a very similar thing to this other paper that used uh, X-ray imaging. They, they had five groups of subjects. They had kyphotic necks, straight necks, hypolordosis, uh, normal, and hyperlordosis this time. Instead of the S-curves, what they did is they, they took hyperlordosis and hypo. And what they did is they looked at the kinematics on functional MRI imaging. And they concluded the same thing. When you have an alteration in the cervical alignment, number one, it alters kinematics. And this, they, they say this, this causes disc degeneration as identified on MRI imaging. And so here's what they conclude. After looking at all their data on segmental movement patterns and disc grades compared to alignment, they say this. From the results of the present study, and these are surgeons, by the way, so they're bringing up the surgical perspective. They say cervical surgery, such as discectomies and fusion or disc replacements, should attempt to restore a normal lordosis to prevent degeneration and symptomatic deteriorations. Okay. Now, now this is one of the top journals in the world, Spine, and this is a very sophisticated study looking at segmental uh, kinematics on rotation and translation movement patterns on flexion extension MRI. And they identify altered kinematics causing disc degeneration, and then they say, we ought to attempt to restore alignment back to normal. It sounds to me like the surgeons are saying that loss of the cervical curve is a health problem. Absolutely. So what you're saying is that our friend Doug knows less than the medical doctor about kinematics and structure. That, that's pretty much what I'm saying. But he's a chiropractor. That's right. right. So that's like, you know what? I always say in communication, being that in Elite we teach communication, rule number one, know your audience. So this dude was like, in a, he's like a crip walking into a blood party. No, man, you, you, you're wearing the wrong colors. I won't even say those two words. Mofo, you just walked in the wrong party wearing the wrong colors. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, you, know you wouldn't. Mean? Yeah, you wouldn't. You know what I mean? And, and that's the whole issue here. And it's, it's different. If he would have emailed me, and here's the thing for the audience out there, hopefully you're having a good time, because I'm having a good time, believe it or not. I mean, I enjoy this kind of stuff. Um, if, if Dr. Doug would have emailed me through idealspine.com or my personal uh, email and said, hey, hey, Deed, you know, I, I'd like to learn more information about the cervical curve and health and nerve interference. Do you got any papers on it? Uh, you know, you guys know what I would yeah. have said. Yeah, you do it all, said, t all the time. Yeah, I would have said, hey, here, here they are. And, you know, you can look for more information in the cervical rehab book or the CBP cervical rehab seminar on and on. And I would have sent him a few papers. 
But that's not what the guy did. I mean, what he did is basically said, hey, I thought you were supposed to be scientific. And according to what I've read, you, you, you really lack scientific credibility on your website. That's what he's saying to me. Ouch. Yep. Right. And so, you know, I, I think this is a fun topic to kind of run with. And so here, here's another part of the equation. You know, if you go to the website, my uh, health center website, the two articles on there in question are, are really, you know, relatively innocent on the cervical curve. And in fact, there's quite a bit of data supporting them. I just didn't list the references in there. So, for example, one of the articles is football injuries and cervical spine curves. And some people might remember that uh, back in January I was on the podcast, and this was one of the research articles of the week that I brought up. Do you guys remember the, the football player study that I brought up? Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, so, so apparently Dr. Doug missed that memo that we you know had online there. And he's complaining about my article on football injuries and cervical spine curves. And basically, the, the article says this. It says, a, a recent study has shown a dramatic and eye-opening correlation between an athlete's neck curve and the extent of injury that could be sustained during headfirst or direct impact, impact blows to the top or the front of the skull. In other words, athletes with straight or reverse cervical curves are prone to complex injuries to the cervical tissue and nerve roots, while those who maintain a normal normal curve have a, 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 a significantly less chance of these long-term injuries. So this guy Doug is complaining about this on on the CB or on my uh, Ideal Spine Health Center website. You know, I I just didn't list the reference there. You know what I mean? You guys with me? Yep, yep absolutely. Yeah, Right, so I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, discuss that reference again just for the audience out there and in hopes that maybe, you know, Dr. Doug's actually listening to this and maybe, you know, he can kind of learn something, right? And so th this particular study uh, comes from Torg in 1995, okay? So Torg in 1995, uh, Torg did a lot of work looking at uh, – you know, football injuries and, and neck curve injuries and par paralysis and basically looking at buckling of, of the, the uh, cervical curve during impact injuries. And this is a really relevant topic because, you know, we, we see a lot of these football players end up, you know, in some cases paralyzed after, you know, complex injuries. So it's, it's an extremely important topic, topic to look at, right? So in uh, 1995, Torg uh, reviewed the literature and looked at several hundred cases out of the NFL database and went through uh, in the journal uh, Orthopedics, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, so it was late 2009, the uh, September-October issue, uh, the journal Orthopedics, and he, he went through and showed that with – uh, 1,200 cervical spine injuries documented by the National Football Head and Neck Registry. Uh, there, there is a link between axial load injury mechanisms and the alignment of the cervical curve. Specifically, if, if you go to uh, one of the tables in his paper, I'll just pull up the table. It is uh, Table Two. And table Two is called Developmental Conditions that are contraindication to return to athletic activity, meaning play. And he calls this spear tackler spine. He says, a persistent straightening or reversal of the normal cervical curve is part of a cascade of absolute contraindications for return to play. Because there is a risk, if you get an impact injury in a spearheaded tackle, there's a risk of motor and sensory damage uh, due to spinal cord trauma. So, you know, we're talking, again, mechanical stress and strain acting on the spinal cord due to, number one, an altered alignment, and then due to buckling of the curve that occurs with the impact, the spear tackle, and then we get the, the spinal cord forces right up against the anterior wall of the canal, and we get shear stresses acting on the, the spinal cord nerve roots, and that can cause different types of neurological deficits. Uh, you know, potentially in some cases leading to paralysis. 
So, you know, you can't make this stuff up. It's in the literature. So I, I would look at this paper and I'd go, man, that, that's, that's concrete enough for me. And apparently, you know, Dr. Doug missed this memo. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it's, you know, listening to that study, man, if you hear that, this is important as a parent. With kids are playing football, you know, and you see all the injuries that happen out there, you know, as a parent, these are things that the, this study, people need to teach in their workshop, you know, when, when they're dealing with parents and families and kids in sports. Yep. Come in, bringing those kids in, even if they're feeling great, get them checked out, make sure that their pre-sports uh, physical includes a spinal set of x-rays. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, would you want, if you knew about buckling mechanics, how your cervical spine responds under impact loading when you have a lordosis versus when you lose the lordosis, you would want a cervical curve. You would not want to lose your cervical curve at all. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, even in the world of uh, coming from motor vehicle crashes, there's many studies showing protective nature of cervical lordosis pre-injury compared to those subjects that have a loss or a kyphotic neck after an injury, or excuse me, that before the injury occurs and their risk factor for potential injury. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. I mean, 100%, right? And, you know, this is a selfless plug. I'm doing a, uh, a whiplash trauma conference. It's funny that we're talking about Dr. Doug here, and he might actually show up to a seminar that I'm doing in August in Brisbane, Australia. We're actually going to do the CBP Whiplash Trauma Conference in Brisbane, Australia in uh, August 31st through September 1st. And these are some of the topics we're going to be talking about. And maybe Dr. Doug wants to show up. I don't know. After he hears this, he might be pretty upset at me. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and uh, back to the, you know, this, this issue of trauma and injury to the cervical spine you might think, oh, oh, that only applies to, you know, football players or rugby players, right? Well, no, it doesn't. There was a study that came out in the Journal of Biomechanics in 2005 by Stemper, S-T-E-M-P-E-R, Stemper et al., volume 38, page 1313 through 1323. And the title of the paper is The Effects of Abnormal Posture on Capsular Ligament Elongations in a computational model subject to, the, to whiplash loading. What they did here is they used a very sophisticated model of the cervical spine, and they could alter the neutral alignment of the cervical lordosis when exposing the model to a rear-end whiplash uh, acceleration uh, type of event. What they identified in, is in rear-end collisions, when you have a cervical lordosis, it protects your facet capsular ligaments from over elongation or over strain. But when you lose your cervical curve, specifically a straight neck and a kyphotic neck, you're at risk of subcatastrophic failure, meaning microscopic tearing of the facet capsular ligaments, specifically in the mid cervical spine. They showed at C5, C6, there's a 73% increase in the longitudinal strain of the facet capsular ligament in kyphotic necks compared to lordotic necks. So if you start with an abnormal curve and you get in a rear-end collision, you're at risk of injury. And to me, that's a health concern and that's nerve interference. What do you say, Fred? Well, you know, once again, I always apply this to a report of findings and everything else. You know, the patients believe what you believe. And when you're looking at a subluxated spine, when you look at people with big practices, they know one thing. You're either subluxated or you're not. And these are things where people, you know, you know, it's always a life or death decision because how do you know? It doesn't even have to be a rear end collision. It could be a slip, a fall, a, you know, a trip, any type of trauma with a weakened structure. Your life can change, dude. And you guys know you start tearing ligaments in your spine. Man, these people are a nightmare. Not chronic pain is the least of their problems. Absolutely. Now you have a weakened structure. Now your whole nervous system, your nervous system becomes compromised. And then if you don't go to a structural corrective doctor that can at least change that, 
the rate at which their body, the way their spine is going to degenerate is accelerated, the rate at which their health is going to degenerate. So you're looking at an x-ray. What do you see as a doctor? You know, what are you communicating to that patient? Because they walk out and who knows what's going to happen to them today, tomorrow, next week, a month from now. But one incident and their life has changed. So what's, what's a weakened structure and a poor posture mean to you? And whatever it means to you, that's what it means to them. If you're spending time talking about back pain or neck pain or headaches, that's the least of their problems. They may have a few headaches today, get in a fender bender, and now they blow a disc. Now they get a fusion. Now they have chronic pain. They're addicted to medications. They blow their head off 10 years later because their life is freaking miserable. Indeed, you've had these people walk in your clinic that say, you're my last resort, or I'm going to eat my freaking gun. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's, that's true. Go ahead. No, finish. Go ahead. Well, and that's it, man. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what they're experiencing today. Are they subluxated? That's all you have to know. Their life will never be the same if they walk out of your clinic and you don't know how to get them to change your perspective and believe they deserve to be healthy. And the fact that they're sitting in that report of findings and they're making a life or death decision right now. Yeah, and, and you know what? That's true. I mean, you got to take this science that I'm, you know, spitting out here, and we're using. Unfortunately, poor Doug decided to email me, and, and he's the scapegoat here. But it's a great topic because if you really truly are unaware of the amount of data that's out there on the cervical lordosis in health and disease then you got to open your eyes to it. These people walk through the door. They need your help. It's not just about how they move and how they function. If that were the case, then, then every yoga and Pilates instructor out there would be doing great. And these people are messed up and have terrible spines just like other people. It, it doesn't just have to do with flexibility. You know, I've got, I've got several yoga instructors under my care and when they when they see their spines and when they understand how they how much better they actually feel by getting corrected instead of just working on how how far they can bend their head down to their chest, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They actually start to realize what true health potential is. Well, that's the thing, you know. There's plenty of plenty of studies, dude. I mean, you know what's on yoga, but I mean, just from common sense, if you add flexibility to a weakened column, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, it's just going to collapse that much faster. You know, I've never, I mean, I've had several yoga instructors under my care over the years. Never did I see one with a healthy structure. You're taking a structure and then you're adding a boatload of flexibility to it. That's not yeah. good. Yeah. Right. That, that's absolutely not good. Yeah. You can see instabilities in these people and they have problems too. You know, they're difficult to correct due to the flexibility. But, you know, and so we don't go too long here. I, I've got a few more studies because I'm sure that. Again, being the astute scientist that Dr. Doug is over there, he's probably said to himself, well, you know, Deed hasn't really brought up enough nerve interference. I'm talking about the nervous system, Deed. Yes. And, you know, what, what we're talking about is we're talking about the whole thing. Nervous system controls everything. Pain and headaches and function, all that stuff's related. But, you know, let's just throw out a few neurological studies for Dr. Doug. How about no, this one? That same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. So how about this one? Journal of Spinal Disorders 2001 by Kai et al. This is a prospective study of 110 subjects uh, with neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome after whiplash injury compared to subjects that didn't have neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome after whiplash. What they identified is that in the subjects that had neurologic disorders defined as thoracic outlet syndrome that were neurologic, neurogenic, okay, these people had an extremely high uh, uh, prevalence of cervical reversal. They identified 44 to 46%, depending on how they measured it, of the people with neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome had reversed cervical curves. And they, they stated that this is associated with future disability after whiplash. And the kyphotic neck is responsible for it. Okay? That sounds like nerve interference to me. Yep. Yeah. Got yeah. any more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I I've got a bunch. 
I mean, I've got a bunch, but let, let's just take this one and let's look at this. I mean, when you see the, 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 are you guys still there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I thought I lost you for a second, but when, when you see the, the prevalence of kyphotic necks in an injured population of 44 to 46%, that is huge. When you, if you look at a sample of asymptomatic subjects, you will not see a 44 to 46% rate of kyphotic necks. For example, in 2005, in 2005, my Australian colleague, uh, Dr. Jeb McAveney and I did a paper in JMPT and we identified that there was only three out of 177 asymptomatic subjects that I believe the number was 177 that had a straight neck or a reverse neck curve. That's three. And these are asymptomatic subjects. You, you look at this and you go, whoa, 44 to 46% of these that have neurologic disorders have a reverse cervical curve. You got to say to yourself, boom, cervical lordosis is a health problem and it creates nerve interference. Yes. Yeah. Right? And well, then, go ahead. No, go ahead, Fred. Because I just have a couple. That's okay. Go ahead. I'll I'll go off on the end. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So I want to pull up just the the last two kickers, and these are unpublished papers as of yet, but we presented them at conference proceedings, and you know I was going to present these over in Australia. Are these uh, are these my favorite ones, dude? Yeah, these are your favorite ones where our group. Uh, did some work with uh, the university or Cairo University over in Egypt. And for the first time, I mean, we identified that there is a correlation between loss of the cervical curve and neurological uh, disorders and improvement. And so we, we did just recently did two randomized trials. Uh, just quickly, one of them was on uh, does improvement towards a normal cervical lordosis aid in the management of lumbosacral radiculopathy, a, a, a randomized trial. And basically what we did is we showed that in the subjects that got, you know, a device to improve their cervical curve, the Denerol, these people got improvement of lumbosacral radiculopathy and improvement in the H reflex, a true measure of, you know, in theory, alpha motor neuron pool excitability. They, they got improvement in that by improvement in the cervical curve, whereas the control group that just got standard PT for the low back didn't get those improvements. Of course, you know, Dr. Doug wouldn't be aware of these because they're not out yet, but to claim that, that there's no evidence is, is far-fetched. I mean, it's, it's asinine. You wouldn't want to attack somebody on a topic that actually knew more than you did on that topic. You just wouldn't do that. You know, and number one, number one, anybody that goes around policing somebody else's website articles for patient education, I mean, you better spend more time on your practice, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, well, like you said, you just picked on, the, you know, of, of anybody. I mean, you're the most published chiropractor ever in the history of the profession. And so not a good idea to pick on you with, and on this topic anyway. Yeah, now, on, hey, on, your, on your most knowledgeable topic. <laughs> well, well, yeah, right. Like, you know, maybe on your haircut or color coordination on your clothes. You know, hey, that's all good. But, I mean, but he could have picked on you for wearing, you know, Cabela's pants and Prada shoes. You know, something right. like that. And, and I, do, I do do that. And, and, you know, just the last thing is I might not be the most published chiropractor these days because over the last couple of years I haven't done as much. But certainly I'm in the top five, and I can promise you this. On the cervical curve, nobody has more publications than me. It's just my pet interest. It's what I like. And so if you want to debate me, don't debate me on the cervical lordosis. You know, pick something that I don't know. You know, debate, debate me on nutrition and stuff. I don't, I don't know that that well. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I won't go through the last randomized trial that we did, but I'll, I'll just mention that it's similar to the, the uh, first one on the Denerol where we showed – we actually showed in people with cervical spondylotic uh, radiculopathy that there's a linear correlation between the cervical curve and nerve root function uh, looking at somatosensory evoked potentials. And if, uh, you know, if Dr. Doug wants to come learn about that, 
I'd love to have them come to my Brisbane, Australia, uh, you know, conference on whiplash trauma, and I'll cover these particular papers, and you can see them. You can get it from the horse's mouth, and then, uh, you know, maybe he'll have a changed perspective about his uh, particular view about the cervical curve and health and disease. Well, after, Pers- the, after this podcast, I mean, if, if he truly, really cares about uh, learning the science of this, and if, and if he really does, I mean, there, after knowing some of these, these basic topics, he should, you know, consider, you know, attending or at least reading up on these subjects and make himself a better chiropractor. And, you know, hopefully he was naive to this. Uh, maybe he came from a school that didn't teach some of the, the basic fundamentals of, of structure and function. Hopefully that, you know, most schools do a good job on this. But, you know, we know that that's not the case. But whatever the excuse is, given this information, he really needs to step up and realize that he made a mistake, especially contacting you the way he did. Well, yeah. you know what? Go ahead. Oh, just lastly, and then I'll let you go, Fred. And, and really, we want unity in chiropractic. We we don't want condemning. And I, I really feel bad, maybe, not really, in, in the way we're approaching this. But, you know, again, we, we want people to, to gravitate towards structural work as well as functional work. And, and that's where we're going to have strength in the profession when we unite and respect the, the science that's actually out there. And ignorance is not bliss. If you don't know about it, find out about it. Yep. And now that you know, because now hopefully one of his friends, if he hasn't subscribed to this podcast um, feed, will know that there is evidence for this. And it's time to learn up about this because exactly what you said, Deed, is that there there's strength in numbers. And there, the science, if we don't continue protecting what we do as, as chiropractors, these other doctors and these other therapists already know that structure dictates function. They already know that cervical lordosis is important. And we need to stop playing that we're a medical doctor and we want to prescribe medications. And we want to change the spine to a more healthy, stable position so the person can function near normal, you know, an optimum. And the science truly does support everything that we do and believe philosophically. Well, and the next thing, this this podcast isn't really about Doug. I mean, Doug, we're using you as a reference point. But really what, really the bigger picture, is there indeed, I mean, these are just a handful of studies that you can pull. And and because of the, the time, but there is more evidence than ever. I mean, this is a law. That's, you know, that was one thing that you said, your dad said, he said, he said, I wasn't that smart. I just applied what I knew, which we know is the guy was obviously brilliant. But this is a law. Chiropractic is not an opinion. It's a physical law. He applied physics to math, physics and math to spinal structure. And this is the way it is. And coming, you know, from the founder of Elite Coaching, you know, the, the whole union between Elite and CBP and, and what we're all doing here as a family is to help you know, two biggest problems in profession. One, we need to fix the spine. The science supports it affects health. That's the principle of chiropractic. CBP is is definitely the best with with changing that. And then the next thing, the next problem is we need to have the general public understand it. And so, you know, you don't need to question your philosophy or the principle. You know, this is truth. It's a law. Speak it from your heart until patients know. And I. I'm just saying that the boot camps that Elite has, there's nothing better. You can't get more advanced communication on how to change people's perspectives and how to get them to see the truth of chiropractic. There is nothing better out in the profession. And I just encourage you, don't do it for yourself. Do it for your patients. Learn how to communicate so they get it. I mean, they're standing in front of you making a life or death decision. The science supports that it's life or death decision. Their life will never be the same. You don't have to question it anymore. You don't have to know it in your head. Know it in your heart because all the research is there. So when you hear this, man, live this. Fix your spine. Be an inspired leader so you can inspire other people. And live this with yourself. Take it to your team and then take it out in the general public so we can start changing the consciousness that people really understand that your spine is the foundation of health and life and strength in your body. And that is a law. Don't question it. Just freaking teach it. Well yeah. said, Fred. Yeah, I mean, and that 
That that's right on. And here here's one of my biggest concerns, and, and it's really not Doug emailing me through my patient website, although I don't appreciate that from doctors. Contact me through CBP. You know, don't go to my you know my staff has other things to do. They're trying to deal with patients, not sift through emails from doctors, right? So email me at idealspine.com. But the, the other thing is, here's this guy over there in Australia, and he's of this viewpoint because of what he's heard. He, you know, he obviously hasn't really read up enough about it himself. Otherwise, he'd be aware of these studies. They're they're on PubMed. You can find them. You know, I, I'm not I'm not a genius to find these things. I just you know PubMed them and I find them. Well, here's the issue: chiropractors over in Australia that are doing corrective care. This guy's probably one of the guys that's condemning them. This guy's probably one of the guys that when a patient goes to him for a second opinion, he probably badmouthed the other chiropractor saying, oh, you know, there's no evidence for that corrective care. They're just trying to sell you long-term programs and make money off you. And meanwhile, what he's doing is he's doing a very grave disservice to the patient, not to the chiropractor, but to the patient. Because if he convinces that patient that there's no evidence that they need corrective care for their neck, that person's health and their life is at stake in the long run. Absolutely. And I absolutely believe that. Yep. And, and so that's why Doug needs to maybe kind of wake up and, and swallow his pride a little bit and read these particular papers. And th- there's a lot more, too. I mean, he, he can go out there and find them himself. But in the end, it's about the patient. And what he should say is he should say, you know what? I, I personally don't know enough about that topic. I'm not trained in that. Here's what I do. But if that chiropractor has more experience in working with the structure and the alignment than I do, then I, I would suggest you go to him. Yep. Totally well, agree. Yeah. Now that's integrity. And, you right. know, hopefully he'll come to that, that fruition. And, you know, as far as, you know, like you stated, this is really not about Doug. I mean, yes, we, we used his, his topic of this as, a, as good uh, comedic relief, one might say. But, you know, it's, it's driving the point home that so many chiropractors and, and patients, more importantly, just don't know. Just like that headache patient. Are you telling me that they've went all the way through life and, that, you know, so far, how old was your headache patient? She had the headache since the 70s, you said, Deed? Yeah, it was Dr. Todd's patient. I just met her today. And actually, yeah, Dr. Todd's here. Been, he's standing right here. How long she, she had that headache? 30 years. Forty years, he said. Wow! And just think, if if we had more uh, chiropractors that understood and and truly lived what we teach, and know that this this lady could have been helped earlier, you know, I'm sure you're not the first chiropractor that she's seen. No, no, she's actually seen five different chiropractors, and she she's she's currently under chiropractic care, but she has, you know, she has the same thing that I referenced. And I was talking about, and then, and then Deed came in and clarified, uh, is that she has a, a really large uh, redhead translation, and she has a four-degree upper angle on the right. Wow. So, so her, her upper angle on the atlas on the nasium doesn't match her head translation. It's on the wrong side, and she's got an abnormal neck curve. Was, so it, was, I, it, was that that Gonstead doctor out there uh, doing upper angles again on nasiums? Yeah, can you well, believe that? I, you so, know, I'm, I'm that. I just uh, the stars are a lot. Doctor Todd, this is this is crazy. Didn't, didn't I see him at the upper cervical seminar learning what CBP on on what segment? Is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah is that something? CBP uh, actually does segmental adjusting. People don't think well, that. Yeah, lo- I heard trumpets playing. Like, did angels just blow trumpets or something? Yeah, uh, I, I love it. I, I love I love that Todd's doing this and taking charge and. But did you guys hear that? I mean, we, we do. We pay attention to the upper upper neck, obviously, because that's where CBP came from. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that really is crazy on how she's went to all, you know, these chiropractors. I'm sure they gave some temporary relief, but they missed something that they missed the forest for the trees. If she has a huge, you said she, she had a huge right head translation. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank God that she's on a road to recovery now. And, and, you know, and actually, I'm going to step out for a minute and actually follow up with her right now and call her and see how she did. Because we, we, I work with her today, so our first adjustment is... Get closer to the computer, Todd. Get closer. Right. We can't hear you. All right. Can you hear me? How's that better? Uh, speak up. 
Okay, so basically her first adjustment, I mean, just for, for whoever's out there listening and wondering, you know, how do you, how do you physically go about trying to correct that? Well, her first adjustment is is my background doing Gonstead. I, I adjusted her atlas from the right to, to try to to try to manually get movement in the upper cervical spine. But then what I did is I actually had Dr. Joe Ben help me with this. We we put her on her side, so her right side up translated her head from right to left, and actually Dr. Joe Betts actually held her head into a left translation, and then I took an arthrostem and smallest tip on there, wedged it into in, into the, the right transverse of the atlas, and on a single pulse, went through and applied progressively more pressure. We probably did about 10, uh, about 10 different, different pulses. Keep in mind, this is after putting a BB inside of her ear, taking a lateral x-ray with the central ray at, at her atlas to, to, to really figure it out and make sure that we're actually on her atlas. So, I mean, as, as specific as you could possibly get with her, and, and, and after we worked on her, she had, just like Dr. Dean talks about the stories uh, of his dad, you know, working on these patients with, with the, the upper cervical control press, she had, she had maybe eighth of an inch indentation on her upper cervical spine. That's actually what I was going for. Wow. And, nice. so, and so in just a minute, I'm going to give her a call. I'm kind of excited because I'd be surprised if she's not having some sort of positive change from what we did today. That's wonderful. Cool. Well, gang, we need to wrap this up. Yep. Well, well thanks, Steve, for, uh, you know, bringing all your ammunition. And uh, more than that, you know, I think this is – an extremely enlightening podcast that uh, I'll be excited for you to put that out, Joe. Yeah. Blast it on Facebook and, and so the profession in general can hear this. Yeah, and I, I think this is a way to keep Dr. Deed on the podcast. If we go ahead and have everybody out there write him some nasty emails, he'll be forced to come on the podcast every week and, you know, chiropractic will be a better place. Right, and let's just thank Dr. Doug from Brisbane, Australia for giving us Know the topic of this week's podcast. I mean, he did a great job. Absolutely. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> All right. Good night, All everybody. Right, guys. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.